0: Welcome to Scripture Uncovered, a podcast on the Bible brought to you by Logos Bible Study and LogosBibleStudy.com. Before we start the show, we just want to tell you about an exciting new course we're launching at the beginning of March, our first pop-up course, Introduction to the Old Testament. In the course, you'll get four lectures, one each week. You will also have scheduled office hours with Dr. Creasy so you can interact and ask your questions directly. The course also features a student discussion forum, so you can communicate with your fellow Logos students, and Dr. Creasy will pop into the forum from time to time as well. This is a brilliant introduction to the Old Testament, and it will be followed by a pop-up course on the New Testament, so don't miss out. Go to logosbiblestudy.com and click on pop-up courses to enroll. Now, time for the show. Here's your host, Dr. Bill Creasy.
1: Hello, gang. Bill Creasy here with another episode, a brand new episode of Scripture Uncovered. Last week, I talked with you about a technique that I call reading the gaps in scripture. And I used two examples to illustrate. Uh, number one was the story of the sacrifice of Isaac in Genesis 22, and number two was the story of David and Bathsheba. And we saw in both of those stories that, my gosh, there were gaps in those stories that were big enough to drive a Mack truck through. And we looked at those gaps and how to read them, how to read into them, how to interpret from them. So it's a really important technique to learn, reading the gaps in Scripture. But as I've gone through this past week, I really thought about those stories and other things that came to mind. For example, when Abraham agrees to sacrifice Isaac, and I think we noted a little bit about this last week, But when Abraham agrees to sacrifice Isaac, what does he tell his wife, Sarah? You know, this couple has waited so long for a son, and now they have a son. And God said, sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Now, I can't imagine the magnitude of that request. How did Abraham react to it? And we saw the gap in the story where Abraham spends the entire night between two verses of Scripture, an entire night of silence, wrestling, struggling with this request by God. And I wondered at the time, do you think he talked with Sarah about it during that night? Do you think in the morning when he was chopping the wood uh, to head off to Mount Moriah, that he talked to Sarah about it? You know, Sarah is conspicuously absent in this story. We don't see her. We don't hear from her. Not a word. And when Abraham and Isaac come back from Mount Moriah, we don't hear a word from Sarah either. In fact, in the very next chapter, chapter 23, we read, Sarah lived to be 127 years old, and she died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her." As far as we can tell, now there is a giant gap between chapter 22 and chapter 23. How much time goes by? Well, We have a short genealogy uh, that begins in chapter 22, verse 20, and extends through verse 24. And some people were born, uh, time went by but never again, never again, will we hear Abraham talk to Sarah or Sarah talk to Abraham. You know, I wonder if that was a consequence of the sacrifice of Isaac's story. Certainly, when Abraham and Isaac got back from Mount Moriah, Sarah must have said, so where where have you been? What happened? Neither of them spoke, and I don't think Sarah ever spoke to Abraham again. And importantly, Isaac. What did Isaac do? Well, we learn in scripture that Isaac moved. He left home and he went to live in the Negev near Kadesh Barnea. Well, that's way out in the Negev desert. It seems that he left home and he went to live all by himself, all by himself. And we read in chapter 24 that Abraham was now old and well advanced in years and the Lord had blessed him in every way. And he said to his chief servant, Eleazar of Damascus, you know, I need to get a wife for my son Isaac. He's worried about Isaac. Again, there's never any conversation between Abraham and Isaac. Isaac is no longer at home. But the servant heads off and comes back with Rebekah, a wife for Isaac. And we find that Isaac marries Rebekah and then he takes her to live in the tent of his mother Sarah. Isaac had Sarah's tent with him. He lived in her tent. And now Rebecca lives there too. And all the rest of the story about Abraham and Isaac. Isaac and Abraham never exchange a word. They never speak again. That whole story of the sacrifice of Isaac had unintended consequences. It fractured the relationship between Abraham and Sarah, his wife, and it fractured the relationship between Abraham and his son Isaac. Unintended consequences. Now, if we turn over to the David story, we have the same dynamic at work. The David and Bathsheba story. David did a terrible thing. You know, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David was sitting on his butt in Jerusalem and sent the other guys to go fight the war. And he saw Bathsheba, and he wanted her, and he was the king after all, so he took her, we're told. He didn't fall in love with her. He didn't even know who she was. He simply took her. He raped her, if you will. And she becomes pregnant. Now, what to do about her husband, Uriah the Hittite? Uriah was one of David's mighty men. And yet, David sets him up and has him killed. And not just Uriah, but Uriah's men as well to cover it up. Now, that was a big sin. And at the end of chapter 11 in 2 Samuel, the David and Bathsheba story, David thinks he got away with it. You know, he didn't even think he did anything wrong. But then in chapter 12, here come the unintended consequences. The Lord sent Nathan, Nathan the prophet, Nathan, who was a very close friend of David's, an intimate friend. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. And when he came to him, he said, You know, David, I I have a problem on my hands here, and I wonder if you might help me with it. Well, what's that? said David. And Nathan said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor, and the rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it, it grew up with him and his children, it shared his food, drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. That little lamb was to the poor man what My golden retriever, Dusty, was to me and my family. We got him as a little puppy. Oh, he was the cutest thing. And he lived with us for 14 years. He was the best dog ever. And we'd sit at the table on a Friday evening, uh, having takeout pizza. And he'd sit with his chin on my lap, waiting for a pepperoni. Oh, the boys loved him. I loved him. My wife loved him. He was the best. Well, that was the little ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man. Now we read, a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. And instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come. He took that little lamb, that pet that the family loved, slaughtered it, and fed it to his guest. Well, David burned with anger against that man, and he said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. Why, he must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. What a horrible thing to do. What an awful thing to do. But then Nathan said to David, pointing a finger at him, You are the man. And this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why? Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Amorites. Now, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. Well, that's a shock for David. That is quite the shock indeed, because David didn't even realize what he had done. And Nathan continues, This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret. I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. David is stunned. David could have nodded to one of his men and lopped off Nathan's head. But David is stricken. David said to Nathan, Uh, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said, You're darn right you've sinned. But the Lord has taken away your sin. The Lord's forgiven your sin. You're not going to die because you should. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. And then Nathan left. Well, sure enough, the child conceived by Bathsheba, David's son, dies. And David is grief-stricken, absolutely grief-stricken. On the seventh day, the child died. David's servants were afraid to tell him the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, we spoke to David, he wouldn't listen to us. How can we tell him the child is dead? Why, well, he may do something desperate. David noticed the servants were whispering among themselves and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? he asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and he worshipped. And then he went to his own house. And at his request, they served him food and he ate. Well, his servants are puzzled. Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now the child is dead, you get up and eat. And David answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he's dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? No, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and he went to her and lay with her, and she gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him, and because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah, a nickname, Jedidiah. Well, in this whole story, David is stricken with grief. And I think at one point, David goes to the tabernacle, He gets on his face before God, and David prays. And what he prays is Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a psalm of David when he went to Bathsheba. For what he had done, it is the great penitential psalm, a psalm of David. You know, I think it's one of the bravest things in Scripture that David would write this psalm, this prayer, that we might read it. Would you do such a thing? In in the deepest moment of grief of your entire life, when you prayed to God with tears flowing down your cheeks, would you then reveal to the whole world what you said? David does. And here's what he prays. Have mercy on me, God, in your kindness. In your compassion, blot out my offense. Oh, wash me more and more from my guilt. Cleanse me from my sin. My offenses, truly, I know them. My sin is always before me. I don't think David ever had a night after this where the smiling face of Uriah the Hittite didn't Visit him in the night. Where Bathsheba, when he took her, did she struggle? David thought of that all the time. My sin is always before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned. What is evil in your sight, I have done. So you may be justified when you give sentence, and be without reproach when you judge. Oh, look, in guilt I was born, a sinner was I conceived. Indeed, you love truth in the heart. Then, in the secret of my heart, teach me wisdom. Oh, purify me, then I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow." Make me hear rejoicing and gladness that the bones you have crushed may revive. From my sins, turn away your face and blot out all my guilt. A pure heart create for me, O God. Put a steadfast spirit within me. Please do not cast me away from your presence nor deprive me of your Holy Spirit. Give me again the joy of your help with a spirit of fervor sustain me, that I may teach transgressors your ways, and even men grown old in sin may return to you. O Lord, if you can forgive me for the terrible thing I've done, you can forgive anyone. O rescue me, God, my helper, and my tongue shall ring out your goodness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall declare your praise. For in sacrifice, you take no delight. Burnt offering for me, you would refuse. My sacrifice, a contrite spirit, a humbled, contrite heart, you will not spurn. In your goodness, show favor to Zion, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and then you will be pleased with lawful sacrifice. Burnt offerings, wholly consumed, then you'll be offered young bulls on your altar. Oh, God, please, please forgive me for what I've done. Well, with that psalm, that prayer, God did forgive David. God will always forgive our sins. All we need do is come to him and ask for forgiveness. But very importantly, and something we often don't think of these days, God will forgive our sin, but God will not cancel the consequences of our sins. And boy, do we see that in the David story. David takes Bathsheba as his wife. They have a son, Solomon, who will be king after David. But the consequences roll out. We see in chapter 13 of 2 Samuel, In the course of time, Ammon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Ammon is David's eldest son, the heir apparent. And he fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom. Absalom is David's fourth son. Now, Ammon became frustrated to the point of illness on account of his sister Tamar. He lusted after her. She was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything about it. Now Amon had a friend named Jonadab, son of Shimeah, David's brother. Jonadab was a very shrewd man, and he asked Ammon, Why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? Well, what's going on? You, you get up in the morning, you look you look terrible. Ammon said, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. He said, Here's what to do go to bed and pretend you're sick. When your father comes to see you, say to him, Oh, I'd like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let, let, let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. Oh, Dad, I'm so sick. <laughs> so Ammon lay down, and he pretended to be sick. When the king came to see him, Ammon said, Oh, I'd like my sister Tamar to come and make some of that special bread in my sight. I, and Maybe she could feed it to me from her hand. Well, David said, fine. He sent word to Tamar at the palace, go to the house of your brother Ammon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother uh, Ammon, who who was lying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, made the bread in his sight and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread. He refused to eat. Oh, I'm too sick to eat anything. But, Send everyone out of the room. So all the servants left. And then Ammon said to Tamar, Bring bring the food here and and maybe I can eat it from your hand. Tamar took the bread that she prepared and brought it to her brother Ammon in his bedroom. But when she extended her hand with the food in it to him, he grabbed hold of her wrist, pulled her down, don't my brother he said no come to bed with me well that's a euphemism don't 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 force me to do such a thing it wouldn't be right what about me what what where could I get rid of my disgrace and what, what about you and well you be like one of the wicked fools of Israel please please speak to the king he he'll, he won't keep me from you uh, please please but nothing helped Nothing helped. He refused to listen to her. And because he was stronger than she, he raped her. Oh. And Amon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more then than he loved her before. Amon said, Get up and get out. No, she said, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you've already done. But he refused to listen. He called his personal servant and he said, get this thing out of here. The servant put her out and bolted the door. She was wearing a richly ornamented robe, for this is the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. And Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornamented robe she was wearing. She put her hand on her head, went away, weeping aloud as she went. Absalom saw her, her brother. And he knew. Here she is, disheveled, her hair mossed, her dress torn. Absalom said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? She's weeping bitterly. Absalom holds her. Be quiet now, my sister. He's your brother. Don't take this to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman, for the rest of her life. When David heard all this, he was furious. Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. Well, you can be sure this story is not going to end well. In fact, Absalom murders Amnon, and Absalom has to flee Jerusalem, flee the palace. He takes refuge with his grandfather up north, north of Galilee, where his grandfather is king, and he's exiled. David has to exile him. Although Absalom knew, if someone did that same thing to my father David, there would be blood on the floor. A breach occurs between Absalom and David, and indeed Absalom will raise an army and march against David. David walks out of Jerusalem and lets Absalom enter with his army. He doesn't fight. David heads down the road to Jericho. But war has begun. And Absalom is killed in the war. Absalom is killed in the war. And it breaks David. It breaks David's heart. It's the most appalling grief in all of the Bible. Absalom, Absalom, oh, my son, Absalom, if only I had died in your place. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. David is about 60 years old at this point. He'll die at 70. The rest of David's life, he mourns for his son, Absalom. David is a broken man after this. Why did this story happen? Why did Amnon rape his half-sister Tamar? Well, I hate to say it, but he grew up in David's home. Why did Absalom kill his brother Amnon? Well, he grew up in David's home. David is a broken man after this, a broken man. At the end of his life, David writes a psalm. I think it's the psalm of an old king, a psalm that only an old king could write, someone familiar with grief, David writes Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures where he gives me repose. Near restful waters, he leads me to revive my drooping spirit. He guides me along the right path. He is true to his name. If I should walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I would fear no evil. And boy, David had been there before. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepared a banquet for me in the sight of my foes. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup is overflowing. Surely, goodness and kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall live in the house of the Lord forever. David knew that. David's great penitential Psalm 51, God forgave David. But forgiving of sin does not cancel the consequences of sin. And those consequences rolled on out through all the rest of David's life. That's something to think about. When you've done wrong, when you've, you've done things that you absolutely should not have done, you've gone way off the reservation. You can turn to God, and he'll forgive you, but he won't cancel the consequences. Well, something to think about as the week rolls on. Look forward to seeing you next week.
0: Okay, bye-bye now. Blessings. You've been listening to Scripture Uncovered, brought to you by Logos Bible Study and LogosBibleStudy.com. Don't forget to go to LogosBibleStudy.com and check out our pop-up course, Introduction to the Old Testament. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.